It's sometimes good to remind ourselves that we need to be in His presence. Last week we spoke on this importance of intercessory prayer. This is kind of a two-part thing. I didn't want to make it into something bigger. Uh, I don't want to call it a series or anything. But we, I had two sections of the topic of prayer that I wanted to talk about. So last week I was just, I was, I was just blown away by the prayers that were coming out of this room. You guys got in your like what we call yes huddle groups, and you were praying for other people. You know, somebody prayed for you. Somebody prayed for you. If you have the love of Jesus in your heart, somebody prayed for you. Somebody still prays for you. But we spoke about this importance of intercessory prayer. To uh, it, It's something that we just don't involve ourselves into. I don't, I, I say that, but I, I say for me in my walk and the, 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 the network that I have, I don't see it happen as much as I think it should happen. But this intercessory prayer, it brings the light uh, to God when we pray for others, the conviction of someone, of knowing that someone prayed for us. I mean, how convicting has that got to be when you're sitting out here and you are finally fully convinced that someone else who is unselfish prayed for every single one of us in this room? They did it. And then it, they prayed for uh, our lives to be with Christ and saturated by his word and, and, and being his, us to have our obedience and, and his commandments. Our lives should be filled with time of prayer to God and for others in this intercessory walk. But this night, I want to talk about the other aspect of it. I want to talk about how many of you feel, and I'm, I'm really asking this question because I have this problem too, that sometimes when we pray, or maybe all the time when you pray, you just don't believe it's leaving the room. Maybe you're praying, you're going through the motions, and you're just like, I don't really believe that this God of, of the universe like, is actually hearing what I'm saying. Anybody struggle with that? I do. Okay, thank Okay, this room, struggle, you guys, one. Okay, good. All right, Ryan, okay, well, you're my intern. Jake, you're the worst. Well, you can't do that. Just kidding. Um, I struggle with that so many times where I'm praying, and I'm like, there's this, this unbelief in me that, that is just crippling me. I'm thinking, like, is this going anywhere? It's like, how many phone conversations do you have where you just chat up the line about your most intimate thoughts and dreams and desires and wishes and no one else is on the other line. You, you would think that's stupid. Like, I have to admit, okay? Now, this is me, okay? Let me, let me clear this up. This is me, Tim Robles' opinion, which means nothing, is I never understood journaling, okay? Like, for me to write in a book, you know, but you know, I've got good friends that do it. I see the benefit in it. I even tried it for, like, three months, and then I was like, no, I don't want to do this anymore, you know? Um... And then I, you know, I go back, I read some stuff. I'm like, wow, where, where was I going with that one? But I just, to me, it was just like, I, you know, I write it in a book, and what does that do? It doesn't do anything. But, I, but again, for lots of people out there, I see that, man, it, it really made a difference. It really made an impact for them to get it out. And they had an act, that, that was their way of prayer for them. And they had a belief that as it came out, there was a God listening to them. I want to go through this and discuss this thing about being... Not having, lacking the confidence in knowing that God hears your prayers. So this is what we're just going to talk about real quick tonight. That we lack the confidence a lot of times in our, in our life for Christ. That he actually is hearing us. You know, to, 
I mean, it, it, it's an overwhelming thing that the creator of all the universe would actually listen to me. I mean, how many, you can barely get your advisor's attention half the time, right? Anybody have, Mallory's like, uh, yeah, well, getting your advisor's attention, getting your teacher's attention in the, the room, getting your coaches to, to really listen to you, the trainer, for goodness sake. No, it doesn't hurt on my knee, it hurts on my foot. And they're, you know, you just, I mean, we're filled with people in our lives that don't really listen to us. So why would God, the creator of the whole universe, listen to us? Why? And, it does, and then does he even have the capability to listen to all of these people, billions of people? Does he really have that capability? All these things start creeping into my, to our minds and into our heart. So here's a few points. I'm going to do a, a, like a little lecture here. So for you note takers, this might help. But um, we're going di- to discuss the following points. Five little points that I have. The right motives when we pray. Praying in the will of God. The obstacle of unconfessed sin that create that, that that obstacle that's created when we don't confess our sins in our prayer. Prayer in the nature of Jesus Christ. And then what should our true expectation be when we pray and how we think God should respond to it? So five things, right? Motives, praying in the will of God, the obstacles that unconfessed sin brings into our prayers, praying in the nature of Jesus Christ, and what are, should our true expectations be. Uh, when we pray to God and how he answers us. So point number one was pray with the right motives. Um, if you want to, if you're able to, turn into the book of James, chapter 4. Go into, into James, chapter 4, if you get on your phone or somewhere, got it into you. Uh, and, and those of you, by the way, in the group with your study Bibles, they did not come in today, uh, but we put a tracking on it, and they're going to be in the next few days, so you will get those. They're coming, I promise you. Uh, but, um, yeah. We're coming. So, all right. Um, but praying with the right motives here in James 4 1 through 3, I'm going to talk about it. It kind of gives us some of these, uh, clears up this subject. It says, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? Your desire, you desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. Verse 3. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. Okay, now, to me, this is a crippling, crippling, crippling um, uh, verse or scripture or statement of the Bible for the prosperity gospel. Okay, Uh, we have to ask for the right things with the right motives here. All right, Um, prosperity gospel, if you don't know, is the one that says... Uh, God wants all this goodness for you, so he wants you to have financial stability. He wants you to have that big house. He wants you to have that nice car. He wants you to get that promotion. He wants you to have that degree. Do you understand some of you are in an endeavor for a degree right now that God doesn't want you to have? Yeah. Yeah. You understand some of you are in relationships that God wants you out of? You understand that some of you he's calling into the service of his kingdom in a mighty way in which you will be, in, uh, you will be a, a beautiful servant for him, but you may be poor for the rest of your life. Do you understand that? I mean, so this, this, this idea of, well, if you ask for it, you'll receive it. 
Well, that's not exactly what the Bible is saying there, trying to say. And so we're going and go through this. But you ask and you do not receive it because why? You ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. This verse clearly is telling us that this disbelief, uh, a disbelief that our prayers are not being answered to God. This verse is helping us here because this disbelief is a fight within you that causes many worries and anxieties. Okay, so you don't just have a worry and an anxiety over whether or not God hears your prayers. You have many worries and anxieties, should I? take this course uh, uh, should I sign up for these classes should I join this club should I go on this trip should I go to 635 should I go to church should I even be part of a church should I follow Christ or should I follow Oprah should I whatever should what should I do you know and then we get to a point where we're like I don't know what God's wanting me to do it's because you brought in should I be in this relationship should I not be in this relationship should I go after this job should I do should I should I should I it causes we have worries and anxieties all around us and this this belief that that you can do something um without God or this belief that you can do something without God causes so much turmoil, it causes these fights and these quarrels, not only within us, but amongst ourselves, okay? Disbelief that there is meaning in life or in your endeavors, you, meaning that now we are being, being distorted in the fact that we have so many worries and anxieties in, in this, this problem with disbelief over whether God is even involved with us, whether God is listening to us, whether God hears us, whether even I'm wasting my time here, it then goes into, should I do this? Should I do that? Then it even goes into, is there even meaning in life? And then, and then whatever I do in life, does it even have a, a true passion to it? So, it, I mean, this just is like a domino effect. This disbelief that we have when we don't have the right motives in us about what we're doing in prayer and how we're speaking with God, this the this belief will leave us on an edge of success. You will be right there on the edge of, of success, but because of disbelief, you will be crippled and frozen watching your, the life that you dream of pass you right by because you're just not willing to take that step. Like really go out and, and take that step and, and look at disbelief and say, God is alive. God is justified in all that he says and does. And God has restored us through his son, Jesus Christ. I'm taking this step. I'm taking it. And not, you know, it's like, how many moments have we been in our life where when the moment had passed, we're like, I knew I should have done this. Or I should have done that. Or I should have said this. Like even a great moment, a moment where you could really help someone else out. When everyone else in the cafeteria and everyone else in the classroom or everyone else in the, the field house or on the field or whatnot would just just went along with this person being persecuted or beat up or whatever the situation may be. And inside, you knew you should have stepped in, but you just didn't have enough belief in yourself and in, what you, and, and in your relationship with God, and you just stood there crippled and frozen. And the moment passed you right back by, for you ne and never will you get that moment back. What is all this coming to on this verse? What, what, if we pray with the right motives... Meaning, it's not about your comfort. It's not about you. It's about him. That's the right motive. Should I go here? Should I do this? Should I do this? Should I say this? Should, what should I do? Okay, well, God, it's not even that thing of what would Jesus do. 
which I love that term, it just got played out. But seriously, what would Jesus do? But the other section is, God, what have you shown me to do? What has your word taught me to do? Step forward in the righteous path. Most of your peers are not going to follow in that way. But when we have the right motives about something in our prayer, we'll see some changes. We'll see the first strike against that disbelief in our hearts and our minds that are crippling us and freezing our very nature from truly praying with true belief. We've got to start with the right motives. You ask and you do not receive. Well, I asked, you didn't give it to me. Well, yeah, right here, verse 3, you ask and you do not receive. Why? Because you asked wrongly. What do you mean I asked wrongly? Because you're going to spend it on your passions instead of the passions of Christ. So, yeah, you don't receive. So that's why you have one section of disbelief, because you haven't gotten what you wish for. But what you're asking for are things that he doesn't want you to have, are things that you shouldn't have. Right motives, ladies and gentlemen, right motives. Now this point two, we need to pray within God's will. Okay, what does this mean? We're, we're staying now, we're just moving over to 1 John, 1 John chapter 5, and to pray within God's will. And we've kind of talked about this before, and some of you know a lot of the stuff that Johnny, or Johnny, uh, John Piper writes and other people, uh, Wayne Gruden, Systematic Theology has a lot on it, but I, I go to 1 John 5, 13 through 15. Uh, well, I'm just going to go there, and you'll see kind of why. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Uh, okay, so and you add that to James. What did James say? You, you, you ask, you don't receive. Why? Because you ask wrongly what do you mean i asked wrongly because you spend it on your passions not his passions then we come over here first john and first john tells us what well, right there and there that if we ask anything according to his will he hears us now that that should really just drop us to the floor and i'm not going to beat this dead horse but i mean i've got to stop for a moment and say this for the creator of the universe to hear us, that should humble us. That should blow our freaking minds. That should make our hearts just leap out of us, okay? Your advisors don't even listen to you. Your teachers don't listen to you. Heck, half the time, I don't even listen to you. Your parents don't listen to you. Nobody in this world really gives you their tr your, the, the truest attention they can do for you. But God of the whole universe, who doesn't need you whatsoever, says, I'm listening. What? Does that not blow your mind? And if it doesn't, then your mind can't be blown, I guess. I don't know. I didn't really think that statement through. But that we need to stop and see this, that when we do ask according to his will, he hears us. Like, I believe that. I believe God hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. But what kind of request should they be, ladies and gentlemen? Should they be, just God, please make this relationship worthy. Make it righteous. Lord, Lord, just get, just give me this. Lord, just, I swear I'll never come to you again if you just let me pass this test. Oh, you 
you know, maybe you've been on that airplane and the turbulence starts kicking and you're like, God, please just let me get on the ground. I swear to God, I'll go to church. I'll sing in the choir. I'll give what I'll do. I'll just, I'll, I promise I'll never ask of you of another thing. And that's another thing that he hates to hear. I'll never ask of you of anything else. That's like him's looking at you going, no, I want you to. I want you to ask of me. I want you to depend on me. I want you to come to me. You're my child. That would be like my three-year-old walking in and going, Dad, thanks for all the help. Uh, I appreciate it all. Uh, you know, I cleaned out the potty. Okay, I'm learning to wipe myself. Everything's looking good. You and Mom, keep it real. I'm out. All right? I'm out. I'll see you. All right, bring in Rosie. I'm taking off. I mean, as her parents would be like, I don't know. What do you know? You're my child. Get your butt back inside. If you know my daughter, she's actually done that quite a few times. I mean, not that way, but she's a very little person who wants to do her own thing. But, um, but we're his children. He wants us to ask. He wants us to come to him. But he wants us to do so according to his will. I can tell you this. Really think about it in your lives. How many decisions have you made outside of the will of God that have blown up in your face and you regret? Okay, I'm getting a lot. Now, just one, and I'm not, hey, I'm telling you, don't be frozen and crippled and let the moment pass you by. If it has happened, I want, it, I want you to be brave. Tell me anyone, raise your hand in this room who says, there was a time that I followed the will of God and I regret it to this day. Anyone? Anyone? <laughs> Lindsay, I thought that hand was like, I was just inching my chin, sorry. Nope. We don't regret it, do we? We do not regret when we are in the will of God, but we will always regret when we are outside of his will. And maybe at times we don't see it when we are. You ever been in that situation where you're like, I just don't get why this girl don't see that that guy is not for her. I don't get why. Why do you understand that, guys? We're like, I don't get what his deal is. I don't get it. He knows he's wrong, but he just don't get it. He just don't get it. Blah, blah, blah. And, we just, and then when we're in the boat, we're like, I don't want to hear nothing from none of y'all. All right, don't y'all don't tell me nothing. All right, it's my life. Okay, until you're perfect, you don't come. I mean, we, well, it's just we go back and forth. You know, back and forth. And that's why God's like, I don't want you to do things according to Tim's will, or 635's will, or Sales Street Baptist Church's will, or your parents' will, or Granny and Pappy's will, or Nana and, I don't know, whatever names y'all come up with, you know, or Uncle Tito's will, or whatever you got. I want you doing it according to my will, to God's will. I want you to ask. I want you to do it according to my will. By keeping... Our love and our trust constantly with God and living lives that are involved with his body of believers and the study of his word and the acts of his service for the expansion of his kingdom. Then our ability to resist the temptations of our lives are greatly increased and our prayers will align more with God's will than with our own will. We will then begin to want God's wants, love what God loves, act like God acts, feel like God feels and pray like God would have us pray those are a couple things you need to do when you want to be in the will of God you got to be amongst the body of believers you got to study his word and you got to be in the acts of his service then these temptations that come your way you'll be able to fight them tooth and nail because of those three things and when you're in those three things and you're able to resist these temptations you are now your prayers start to align with what God's will why because you're seeing when I follow God's will it's working out for my benefit 
It's not that I want you to follow God's will or God wants you to follow his will just because he wants a lot of bu- a bunch of little army soldiers going following God's will, following God's will. No, because God's will is to your good pleasure. It's exactly what you were built for. It will bring you the greatest satisfaction in all your life. But you doubt it. Why? Because that disbelief that he can even hear you comes right in and cripples you. And then you're frozen. And then as the life that you dream about passes you by, you're crippled and frozen with disbelief. You're frozen and you're just watching it. And then you begin to even disbelieve what the others who are in the body of Christ, in the study of the word, in the acts of his service, you begin to think they're phony. They're hypocrites. They're liars. No, you're phony. You're a hypocrite. I am a sinner. I need Jesus. I murdered him. I molested him. I raped his good name. I destroyed everything I could about Christ and his church. He won. I lost. Without him, I'm dead. With him, I'm alive. And my life is fulfilled because of him and him alone. That's it. So I ain't making much of myself here. But I know that his will will bring me the greatest satisfaction of my life. Point three would be praying without the obstacle of unconfessed sin. A lot of you know in my classes and small groups, we do confession time, right, fellas? We do confession time. James 5.16, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. James 5.16, I stopped right there when I looked at it and I said, confess your sins to one another. I stopped and I'm like, when do we ever do that? When do we do that? Now I can come right in this room and I say, okay, Maggie, give me a, a prayer request you have. Or Emily, do you need any prayer for anything? Or Christian, how, you know, can I pray for you about something? Of course you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, actually, you know, I used to be with the youth group many years ago. And I, I mean, I don't know how many prayers about their dogs, about, you know, their, you know, uh, their teacher, as far as like their teacher being nicer to them. And like all these like prayers. And then I noticed as they came out of that and we, like they grew up, they still grew up with those prayer requests. And they were immature. They were selfish. They weren't of the right motives. They weren't of God's will. We were praying, please, you know, just basically, if I could sum it up is, basically everybody was offering up prayers of God, please remove me from any suffering that may come my way so I'm comfortable in my life. Appreciate if you could do that. That whole thing about like carry my cross, yeah, that's not really my scene. Thanks for doing it for me, JC. And that was our thing. That was our, our prayer. No, it said confess to one another. Confess to one another. You see, how can we come with confidence to God with our request with our request and our pleas with unconfessed sin in our lives? Our hearts, our hearts cannot be heard if they are covered with the loudness of our unrepentant rebellion. You can't truly see the confidence that we can have in God when you have unrepentant rebellion in your life. So, you know, let's do a little trick here, right? Heads down. Heads down. Everybody, come on. I'm looking. You know me. I'll call you out, okay? How many of you right now, I'm the only one who's going to see you, okay? And I promise I won't come throw it in your face. How many of you right now have unrepented lust in your hearts right now? Put them up high. Okay. All right, down. How many of you have unrepented anger in your heart? Okay, put them down. How many of you have unrepented greed in your heart? 
How many have unrepented laziness in your heart? Unrepented disbelief in God's workings. Okay. A lot of unconfessed sins right now in your lives. And then we're going to sit here and ask, I don't think God hears me. No, no, no. It's not that God has trouble hearing you. It has, it's a problem that God has trouble believing you. Let's work on that, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to work on that tonight. I'm going to quickly move to the next points. But we got That's a lot of unconfessed sin. Okay, you can put your heads up or you can keep praying. I don't care. You don't have to listen to me. I'd rather listen to your heart with God right now. So uh, if any, let, let me put it this way. If any of you need to get up and move to these sofas and these chairs and just go in prayer and start confessing to God, you do it. Okay, this message is not important enough for you to bypass that moment. There's too much unconfessed sin in this room. And we are not a true, well, we are, okay, we're not a, an effective body of Christ when we are not repenting from this sin. Okay? And don't be that person going, well, I'll get up when the first one gets up. Remember that frozenness that cripples you? Don't be crippled. Get up and go pray. I can, I can talk all day and all night. But if you've got unconfessed sin in your life, you go pray. You go can pray that rebellion out of your heart. And when you're praying and you hear these words, we're going to pray with the nature. That's the nature of Jesus Christ. In John 14, 13 through 14, it says, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Remember, we talked about that name. It's not just saying, in Jesus' name. No, because in any prayer that we saw in the Bible, they never actually said that statement. It's in Jesus' nature. His name is his being, not just the name. It's his nature. So when he says when you pray, you pray with meekness and humbleness. You pray with conviction. You pray with confidence in the Father God and confidence in the Holy Spirit. You pray, you pray earnestly you, you, as one who considers others more significant than yourself. You pray with a nature about you that just believes and who Jesus is and what he did so when you pray that's the nature in your praying we don't pray to God with our greedy hearts and our selfish wicked ways we pray to God through the nature of Jesus Christ who gave everything he went from celestial to terrestrial he came here he put himself on the cross and he died for everyone's sin and I'm telling you if you don't think that level of punishment was something of horrendous just horrid pain and suffering you're missing out what he did on that cross and what he did in those nights and uh, what he did on that cross and how he paid this thing so i read this quote right here i want to read this quote by the a great uh, not the great but an apologist named dave hunt dave hunt says it like this for a prayer to be truly in the name of jesus it must be as if he would express it if he were praying it it must be for the furtherness of his interest and to his glory. His name must be stamped on the character and engraved on the heart and the life of the one praying in his name. When we pray, we have to pray to God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, God the Son, as if Jesus Christ was praying it himself. Do you really think Jesus went into the Garden of Gethsemane and said, Dear Lord, please, this geometry test, uh, just get me through this, Lord. Let this cup pass from me i need this geometry test god just make this young man what i want him to be make this woman what i need her to be so i can be in this relationship you think that was what the garden of gethsemane was like no no it was not no it was 
for your glory, Father. Your will be done, Father. Your will be done. And then the last one, what should our true expectation and prayers? We have individuals out here praying right now beside us. Some of you still in here praying. I love it. I love when most of you are talking to God and not listening to me. I love this. Okay, the true expectation we should have of prayer. I find it helpful in 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that he should leave, that it should leave me. Okay, three times Paul says, I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You see, Paul's attitude here is the attitude we should all strive to exhibit. An attitude that says, even if it seems that God is not answering our prayers, we can be content and confident in knowing that he will not let us down. Romans 8.28, and we know that... And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Do we have an attitude of our prayers when we say, God, it just doesn't seem like I'm getting an answer from you. But can we walk away and say, but God, I am fully confident, fully happy, fully in gladness, fully in joy that all things work out for my benefit, your glory. And God, you are hearing my words. You are hearing what I'm saying. And just not being able to put the pieces together, but that's okay because you're God and I'm not. You're the creator, I'm the creation. Let's see, we live in a life, we live in a world, we live in a culture that tells us you gotta put the pieces together. I live in a culture that tells me when I do ministry, I've gotta have that whole ministry planned out. I gotta know from A to Z. I gotta know A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J. I gotta know it all. I gotta know exactly how college students work. I gotta know exactly how to get you motivated. I gotta know exactly what, what you feed off of. I've gotta feed you to get you to come here. I've gotta pat you on the back and make you feel good about yourself to keep you to come here. I gotta do all these kind of things. You know what I say? I know we're standing on block A. I wanna get to Z. And you know what? I'll go from A to E. What's gonna fill that gap from B and the rest of them? Guess what? It's called the Holy Spirit. Because if I can tell you every single step of the way, you know what I did with the Holy Spirit? I said, you're not welcome here, Holy Spirit. Head out the door. I've got these guys. And you know what? I can tell you this. I will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. I will stand before the God the Father. And he will look upon me and say, they never belong to you. Depart from me from I never knew you. You are not mine. Because the true servant of God knows where his people belong. What voice his people should hear. And we will be judged by those actions. That's why it says in the Bible, many of you aspire to be teachers and many of you shouldn't be. Why? Because you don't have that heart to say, I'm ready to be held accountable on that next level. That was so scary for me to know that I'm going to answer for, to God. I want to be like the kid. I want to be like below the kindergarten level when I go to heaven. You know what I'm saying? When it came to the requirements. I want God to say, okay, your requirement as my child was that you knew how to brush your teeth and use the potty. I'd be like, yes! I would love for that. But no, no, no. Tim gets this call in his life that I fought for a few years that says, no, no, no. You're going to come up here in responsibility. And you're going to lead people in my name. And I'm like, no, no, no. Because we're great 
privilege comes that great responsibility. And with this great responsibility comes this great, great conviction to obey God. But we all have that, ladies and gentlemen. You have it. You can no longer walk on the coattails of your parents and your grandparents or will you stand with God. I told you once before and I'll tell you this again. At the end of your life, the only two things that will matter is where you stand with God and where God stands with you. It will not matter how many degrees you have, how many friends you have on Twitter and Facebook, how much money you have in the bank. Where do you stand with God and where does God stand with you? And ladies and gentlemen, one more point to that. You may be seeing God in the very near future. I don't know when you're going to see him, but you're going to see him. It could be this week. I started this school year, and I said that when you start at McNeese State University, everyone who signed up for class, everybody who's walking this quad, there will be at least four people, at least four, who will be dead by the end of the semester. We're at five. And you know what every single thing, you know what the number one thing passes through our brains when we hear that? I wonder who it's going to be, because it ain't going to be me. Yeah, that's probably the same thing they thought. I'm not trying to scare you into believing God. What I am trying to get you to realize is, he's real. He's real. And when you pray to him, pray with the confidence that he hears you. Have the right motives. I almost forgot my list here, but have the right motives. Pray within his nature. Pray without the obstacle of unconfessed sin in your life. Confess your sin, ladies and gentlemen. Confess it. Confess. Pray for his will to be done in your life. And then pray with the right expectation in your life that God works everything out for his good and to our advantage as his body. If God, I say I leave you with this, if he sent us his son to die for our sins, then we trust in that faith that he is a good God who is willing to work out things for his glory, which is to our greatest delight and benefit. Three things I want you to remember as Jay can bring up his guys, and we've got one song we're going to go into. You can continue praying or whatnot. But I want you to remember this thing. Some of you have heard me say this a lot of times. I want you to remember our three F's. Our three Mr. F's, all right? And, 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 and we walk a tight line in our life, all right? So we're walking a road that if you stumble off of this road, there's an abyss of nothingness next to you, of just complete death, all right? And what I'm saying here is that we all the time, we like that the feeling that we get, the feeling, how we feel, okay? The way we feel, that leads our faith. Okay, if I feel good about God, I have a lot more faith in God. And then when I have this faith, oh man, the facts about God just come pouring out of me. Oh yeah, oh yeah, well if God wasn't real, then how come we can boom, 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 and just starts coming out, right? Right, because our feeling is good. We always put Mr. Feeling in front of Mr. Faith and then Mr. Faith in front of fact. Let me just quickly tell you how this works so this helps you in your prayer life. Mr. Fact, the fact, he's the leader. Mr. Fact he is the leader of this train. Fact is God is alive and God is real. Fact, Jesus Christ is fully man, fully God. Fact, Jesus came from the heavens above, 
came here to this earth, born into the flesh, was tempted more than any of us could even imagine, died, paid the price for our sin, rose on the third day, ascended into the heavens, sits at the right hand of the Father, and will come again and complete everything, and every knee will bow and every tongue confess. Mr. Fact. The fact is, this Bible's real, and there hasn't been anything that came to light. History Channel can't do it. National Geographic can't do it. Tom Cruise can't do it. Oprah can't do it. Mariah Carey can't do it. Nobody has been able to stand before and rebuke the Word of God and shut it down. The facts are, he's real, he's alive, it's true. Guess what fact does? That leads our faith. Mr. Faith is right there. Our faith is looking at fact going. That's where fact is going. Mr. Fact going that way, I'm going that way. The facts go that way, I'm going that way. There's my faith. There's my faith. Faith follows the facts. Where's feeling? Feeling completes it. He's in the back, but he's there. So when my feelings are, oh, I just don't feel like this. I don't feel this. I don't feel that. I don't feel like worshiping. I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like believing. I don't feel like this. I don't feel. It doesn't matter what you feel. It matters where your faith is. And your faith is led by fact. So guess what? What are the facts? Boom. Where's your faith? Boom. Get your feelings there. You know what that does? It makes this one clear point. Our environment doesn't control who we are. We control what our environment does around us. Churches do not survive in culture. Churches should set the culture. The body of Christ does not try to breathe within a culture. The body of Christ breathes for the culture. We are the light the way, and the truth, in the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, and by the ordination of God the Father. Be who you were designed to be, and quit following these temporal things in your life that lead to nothing but emptiness. When you pray, you pray with the conviction that God is real, and he hears everything, everything you're saying. Let's pray now. Heavenly Father, humbled in your presence, Lord, we just thank you so much for this night together. We thank you to be able to come together on this campus. They have yet to throw us out. They have yet to tell us we can't do it anymore. And I love that. I love that, that we can come together in this place and make this a house of worship. We can make every room in this place sing out your praises. We can walk these hallways singing, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, oh, Jesus Christ. I don't even know if that's a song, God, but I just made it up. God, we, we are blessed right now. But, Father, this culture is going to come in. This culture is starting to... Tear away the true core, the true fiber of your word. We're sugarcoating it. We're watering it down. We're making it, we're making it drinkable for our palate, Father. I want you to change our appetites in this room. I want you to open up our eyes and our hearts. I want you to stamp out the sin that we just keep holding on to. I want you to shove our knees to the floor. I want our tongues to confess your name. I want us to be in delight in your will, Father. This is the things I want, but you know what needs to be done, Father. It is not in my name that they pray. It is not in my name that they worship. It is not in my name they obey, Father. Take from me anything and everything you need, Father. I do love you. I love you enough to say that, God. I love my wife. I love my children. I love everything you've blessed me with. Father, I love you more than all of those things. And you have to do what you have to do with me. I want every single one of your lambs to come off of that mountain and into your arms. We thank you and we praise you. And in this moment, I lift it up to you in your name. Let your presence just soak in this room and let your spirit be saturated in these hearts and minds.